We've been talking on Wednesday nights about discipleship and a lot of the traits of discipleship. Uh, and so tonight we're going to talk about the point uh, of discipleship. And while the point and the commission of the church is to uh, to reach lost souls, to, to be the a light and a witness in the community and even into the world, uh, the, the purpose of us, uh, and we're going to get into uh, into Galatians where we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but, but the purpose of us growing as disciples is to, oh, I'm going to read it to you. I found a quote. It was from a pastor back in the early 1900s. He said, a disciple follows Jesus for three reasons. The first reason is to know Jesus. The second reason is to grow more like Jesus. And the third reason is to go for Jesus. We're going to be in the book of Philippians in chapter 1 tonight, the book of Philippians in chapter 1. And so as we, uh, as we go through the, the lesson tonight, let's bear in mind that the first, uh, the, the first step in, in discipleship is while we're acquiring these tri- uh, spiritual disciplines, as we try to refine ourselves in them, as we try by the help of God to obtain even some of them, uh, the, the first step is to know through salvation, to know through faith, to know through a greater grasp of the Word of God. The second is to grow more like Jesus. That is where we begin to get into some of the spiritual disciplines. That is where we begin to get into being a disciple. And then the last is to go for Jesus, to prove what you have learned, to use what we have learned. The book of Philippians in chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 2. The book of Philippians in chapter 1, verse 2. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you always, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your house tonight. God, we thank you for the wonderful day, all the blessings of life that you've given us. God, I pray that you would be with the kids in the back, the teachers. God, I pray that you would allow them to see you in a greater light, God. I pray that you'd help us all, God, as we open your word. God, that we could be spiritually fed here tonight. God, that we could grow as disciples. God, that we could grow as Christians. We'd grow stronger in our relationship with you and each other. God, that we could grow as a church spiritually. God, that we could be the light that you call us to be. God, that we would never uh, be satisfied, that we would never find ourselves to be complacent. God, be with those who have interest in our prayers. You know the needs of each one, the heart of each one. God, most of all, if it be a lost one among us tonight, help them. God, to see their need of a Savior before it be everlasting too late. Forgive us for we fail you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to go back and read number one now that we got verses two through six. Number Verse number one says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to, here we go, to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Paul was writing this letter. It's very, understand, uh, very important that we understand this to Christians. Paul was not writing this letter to lost people. Paul was not writing this letter to people that didn't know no better. He was writing these, this letter to the saints. He was writing these people that have already known Jesus, the, to the people that have already been saved. And so here tonight, we're, we're going to look at this from the perspective of reading it as someone who knows Jesus, who's someone who already has completed that first step, the, to someone who already knows Jesus and is yearning, is longing, is trying to be a better disciple for him. Because that is the second step. That is the purpose of following salvation is to learn and grow. You, you can't automatically. And, and a friend of mine, he, he's a big, big into baseball. Whole family is a baseball legacy. And, 
he found out he was having a baby girl a couple of weeks ago, and you should have seen his face. He was just all down because he wasn't going to have a baseball legacy come from that girl. It would have to be softball. And I told him, we was talking a, a couple of weeks after that, I said that, that, that kid wasn't going to be a baseball legacy for at least 10 years. He said, yeah, yeah, I know. And, and I get, it got me to thinking that, that whenever we're saved, we, we start out, the, the, well, the Bible compares us to newborn babes. We're not going to be that legacy. We're not going to be that evangelist. We're not going to be the disciple that, that we should be immediately following salvation. Amen. We're going to have to at some point grow. And in order to grow, the, what they tell me is very, very, very important, especially in babies, is, is that you feed them often, uh, regardless if they wake you up in the middle of the night. And all hours of the night and all hours of the day, from what I hear, it's very important to always feed them. And in the same way, it's very important to always feed our spiritual person. It's always important to, at any time of the day, at any time of the night, to be aware of the spiritual food that we have before us and to not only be aware of it, but to partake of it. And here Paul writing this to the saints here at Philippi. He said, Grace be unto you and peace from the Lord, uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every uh, remembrance of you. Here we see in verse 3 that these people meant something to Paul. That these people had an influence on Paul. That, that Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And that means that these people weren't all newly converted people. They weren't completely and totally ignorant of the word of God. They, they, they knew a little bit about Jesus because Paul said he was very, very thankful for them. It says in verse 1 that it was also with the bishops and the deacons. So he's not only talking to people that were saints. He's talking to people that have grew up, that have known at least for a short period of time of the gospel of Christ. And so here tonight, I, I don't think that I'm, that I'm speaking Greek to anybody that didn't grow up with the Bible. They didn't grow up in Sunday school or in church at some point in time, at least over the last several years. So whenever we talk about discipleship, we've been given the tools that we need. We've been given the food that we need to grow from, from that first step to that second step. We, we're to the point now that we have the ability to be disciples. But then becomes the want to. That's where everybody gets tripped up at. That, that, that's the biggest step for us all to take is, is that want to. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark. Hold your spot in Philippians. We're going to be right back here in just a minute. The book of Mark in chapter 1, Jesus made a very, very important statement here. I believe that every word in the Bible is written for a reason, and it's written this way for a reason. And in Mark in chapter 1, verse 17, we're talking about Jesus calling the disciples. He said, come after me, come ye after me, and I will make you, here we go, to become fishers of men. To become fishers of men. The disciples didn't start out the, the day that Jesus called them being fishers of men. He said, I will make you to become fishers of men. But bear in mind, before he told them that you can become a fisher of men, he said, first you have to what? He said, first you have to come ye after me. That's where that motivation comes in. That's where we have to uh, literally make a decision to follow Christ. We literally have to make a decision to crucify our flesh, to step away from what we know is wrong, to step away from something that's, something that's keeping us from reading and studying our Bible, something that's keeping us from the desiring to be a greater disciple, something that's keeping us from desiring to be a greater Christian. And he said, come ye after me once you make that decision, once you choose 
to be a Christian. Once you choose to be a disciple of Christ, this is post-salvation, you have to choose to be a, well, the Bible calls it to be saved so as by fire. You have to choose to either be a flake or be a, or be a Christian because salvation will get you to miss hell. But if you don't live your life following Christ Jesus, that is all it does for you is allows you to miss hell. If you don't live your life for Christ Jesus, you lay up absolutely nothing in that heavenly piggy bank. You bust it open and you got a lot of porcelain laying on there and a little plastic cap that you didn't know you could pull out. That's it. If, if we don't lay up treasures here on this earth, if we don't serve God, if we don't come after Jesus, then, then salvation is the height, is the pinnacle, is the, the peak of our spiritual life. And I don't wish that on anybody. Because if salvation is the highest you've ever gotten, you wasted the rest of your life. Every moment after salvation that we do not grow is a complete and total waste. As a kid, my mama begged and begged and begged to teach me how to play piano. And I always swore that my fingers didn't move fast enough. The reality was is I didn't want to sit down there at that piano and practice. That is the pure reality. When I was in college, I bought me a guitar. And I wanted to learn how to play. And so I, I downloaded me some music to show me the chords. And, and my excuse always was my fingers don't move fast enough and I get cramps in my hand. And the reality was I had more important things to do. I could go to work. I, I could go play basketball. I had more important things to do than to sit down and learn the guitar. I regret it, but I chose. I made a decision. And whenever things become more important to us than the Word of God, more important to us than, than the things of, of God, then it, it gets to a point that that eventually we'll regret it. Whenever salvation is the greatest it's ever been for us, we're in a bad spot. Whenever we leave salvation, whenever we get beyond that, we begin to grow spiritually, and it gets to the point that we can choose to come after. And here we go. Jesus, uh, I see this as a promise. Jesus was speaking to him literally, but I see it as a promise. He said, if you will come after me, if you will follow me, if you will make a decision and a choice to serve me, to allow me to guide you, he said, I will. I see those two words as a promise that Jesus makes and continues to make to everybody that will follow him, to everybody that will come after him, to everybody that will desire to allow our life to be used by God. He said, I will make you to become fishers of men. He didn't say, boom, fisher of men right there. He said, I will make you to become if you follow the disciples, and, and a lot of them, we don't have an awful lot of record about, but a select few we do. And as you read through the Gospels, you begin to see a little bit of growth. Once you get beyond the Gospels and you get to some of the letters that Peter wrote later on in the New Testament, you see a big difference. You see a lot of growth between the man that Peter was in the garden, between the man that Peter was whenever Jesus was being taken and tortured, and then the same Peter who wrote the later books in the New Testament. You see a very, very big difference in that person. You see a lot of growth. You see a big difference in the person that, that went back fishing because Jesus had left him. You see a big difference in that person and the man who stood in the book of Acts. Amen. You see a big difference in that person, in that Peter, because he grew. He did not stop. He, he, he didn't just say, whoa, up, I'm, I'm done. He did, and then God, you know, Jesus went out there and got him off that boat and put him back to work. Not saying that we can't get hung up, but at some point in time we have to choose to grow. And if we do, then Jesus will allow us to become. He will make us to become, but it don't happen overnight. It don't happen overnight. 
very few things that people are good at. And there was a friend of mine that worked with me at the farm up there at Tech. Blame near everything that he tried, he was good at. It could have been the first time he ever did it, and it aggravated the stew out of us. He was good at it. He just he was very, very talented. But the more he worked at, the better at it he got. Most of us, the, the more we work at something, the better off we are. Uh, whenever it comes to free throws in basketball, I, I told my kids at school, until you shoot 200 a day, you, you'll never develop muscle memory to get to the point that you can remember how to shoot a free throw. And so we did. We shoot 200 free throws a day, and eventually it got to the point they could ring one or two out of ten. But was the, the, the point is the, the more that we practice, the better we get. The more that we practice being a disciple of Christ, the more that we practice surrendering our life to Jesus, the more that we practice some of these spiritual disciplines that we've been going through, the better at it we'll get. Not the better at it we'll get it from me. It'd be very careful not to confuse that. It's not about me. It's about the work of God. It's about that third step whenever we're talking about discipleship. The first is to know Jesus. The second is to grow in Jesus. And the third is to go for Jesus. To, to take it into this world and to prove it. To become fishers of men. To, to go out and actually fish for men. Not just fish, but to catch one every now and then. Unless you're just a terrible fisherman. But that don't keep us from trying. Ever. Turn with me if you would to the book of Colossians in chapter 2. Book of Colossians in chapter 2. We're going to get back to Philippians in just a minute. I want to read a scripture over here in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 verse 7 tells us where we are supposed to be. Colossians 2 verse 7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. And here we go, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. This is not new news to the majority of us. We're going to get over to the the fruit of the Spirit, and no doubt there's none of us in here that hadn't seen or been taught a Bible study or a Bible school about the fruit of the Spirit. Becoming fishers of men is not something that's a new concept to us. It's not a new phrase that we've never heard before. But the thing about it is, is, is that we are rooted in our faith in the Bible. We are rooted in Jesus Christ. Not only that, we have to be built on that. Everything has to be built on that. If we're built on a preconceived notion that, that somehow or another the Bible is crooked, then we're wrong. If we're built on a preconceived notion that, that somehow, some way, something in the Bible could be wrong, then we are wrong. If we're built on a notion that the King James Version is not the only true translation, then we're wrong. If we're built on a notion that it takes more than faith and Trust in Jesus Christ to be saved, we're wrong. If we're built on the notion that, that baptism has anything in the world to do with the saving of our soul, then we're wrong. If we have any concept in our mind that we can do anything, be however bad that God can't forgive us, that God won't forgive us if we ask Him, then we're wrong. We must be rooted and built up in Him, in His Word, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, not only that, the last part is very important, abounding therein. Rooting and grounded, but not only that, abounding, staying, continuing in, remembering, not straying from the faith, not straying from who we have been established in. Whenever we talk about God, we often refer to Him as a Him. 
We don't refer to him as a what? Because God is a living being. Whenever we refer to the Bible, we refer to it as the living word of God. Because yes, this is a book. But the words on the page represent the living word of God. It is more than a, a book bound in leather or paper or even a hardback book sometimes. It's, it's more than that. It is the living word of God. The church house is a building built by people. But whenever the, the church of God meets here, the church house becomes a sanctuary in which the church dwells. It's more than that. We've been established in that and we must abound in that. Not only that, the last word there says abounding with thanksgiving. Always being thankful. Turn back with me, if you would, to the book of Philippians. A couple of pages. Paul says here, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. In verse 3, Always in every prayer of mine for you, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul had a lot of confidence in the people he was writing to here. Paul had a lot of confidence in the fact that they had grown. He said, from the first day until now. Verse 6 is what I really wanted to get to. He said, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's been a good work started in each and every one of us saved by the blood of Jesus. A good work. And that good work is to become a disciple of Christ. To become a follower of Christ. To become an ambassador for Christ. And, and the list goes on and on and on. To become what, what God can use. That's the extent of it. Flip over if you would to the book of Galatians in chapter 22. Book of Galatians in chapter 22. I hope y'all's pages aren't sticking together. I'm going to have to say Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I say Galatians. There we go, Galatians. What I say? Oh, hey. Galatians in chapter 5, verse 22. Book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. We've all heard about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is not only the fruit. It is the fruit of, the, of, of having the Spirit of God in you. But an apple tree don't make an apple the day it's planted. My tomatoes don't make tomatoes the day they're planted as much as I want them to. I can't speed up that growth. I can't speed up my growth in God. But I can tell that I'm growing. Right here in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, the fruit that we bear, the things that we can see in our life. If you can't see them, then ask somebody. Usually a, a sibling. Don't ask a mama or a daddy. They'll lie to you to, to be nice. Ask a spouse. They'll be brutally honest. Uh, usually a brother or a sister. Sometimes a cousin will be brutally honest. But if you can't see these things in yourself, ask somebody if you are a loving person. And be very, very careful who you ask, because some people will say no to spite you. Ask somebody if you're a loving person. A very, a very easy one to get hung up on is to ask somebody if you're a joyous person. Because people will be honest. And a lot of times we can't see it. I, I can't see it within myself. And, and somebody will come, are you having a bad day? Well, I, I didn't really think about it, but I have been kind of down today. I have been uh, uh, a little uh, anxious today. 
Other people can see things we have no idea about. Ask them if, ask somebody that you trust if we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. That is the, uh, the very definition of growth is bearing fruit. The very, uh, the, the very essence of being a disciple of Christ is to be able to blossom and bear fruit. And if we are not bearing this fruit, if, if we don't have the love of Christ in us, we're in trouble. The Bible says to rejoice evermore. To Every letter that Paul writes, he starts and begins with the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remembering the peace that he had through salvation, the peace that he had through all of his sufferings, through his trials, the peace that God brought to him each and every day, the peace that we take for granted. Paul remembered it. And he told everybody about it. Every time. A lot of times we leave out these bigger words because we think that they mean the same thing. And, and we're going to get into this come the new year, Lord willing. Love, joy, peace. And then long suffering. Patience. That's a hard one. But as we grow in Christ, then we grow more patient. As we grow as a person is what we call it. We should become more patient. But a person can grow as a person, and if they don't grow in Christ, they won't have patience. In the world that we live in and the, the caliber of people that we deal with, it takes God to give you patience. It really does. Long-suffering. Gentleness. There's a time and a place for the spare the rod speech. And then there's a time for gentleness. There's a time for love. There's a time for it all, and, and we're not going to get back to what Solomon said. But at some point in time, if we're a Christian, then we're going to have to bear the fruit of gentleness. And that's something that men don't like to admit. Because we got rough hands and calluses and scars and blood. And we're not gentle people. But we have to be. Jesus said, suffer not the little children. He said, bring them on. He was kind to the people. He was gentle. Granted, when he run them out of the temple, he, was, he wasn't sparing the rod. But whenever it came down to it, whenever the woman come to, her, uh, come to him and they were going to stone her, he knelt down and wrote something in the dirt and said, you without sin cast the first stone. He knew the woman was in the wrong. He knew she had done a lot to deserve what she was about to get. But he was gentle. He was kind. Against such, there is no law. Verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you understand that to one of the laws of science or whatever is to every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. And to near about every word there is a there is an opposite word. And whenever you're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, there is also them sour fruits. And no matter how much you love sour things, you're not going to like these. The, the opposites of the fruit of the Spirit. What you're going to see if you're living a life outside of Christ. What you're going to see if the devil has gotten in your life. The sign, I think it's still on pine. I hadn't been through there in a day or two. But Pine First Baptist had a, their sign said, if you give the devil an inch, he'll become a ruler. And I thought that was cute. It made an awful lot of sense to me, and it's true. It takes a little bit. And I did it a while back. I was making, what was I making? I don't remember. It was something or another that took like a half a dozen eggs. And I commenced to cracking the eggs, 
and I got five eggs in the bowl and the last one, guess what? It was. The last one, I smelled it as soon as I cracked it. But it was too late. It was in the bowl. You know what that one egg did to all them other good eggs? It spoiled every one of them. If we give the devil an inch, if, if we're trying to grow and then all of a sudden we get distracted, if, if we turn our eyes away from Jesus, if we get to the point that he's no longer a priority in our life, if we get to the point that, that growing as a disciple of Christ is no longer at the top of our list, then it don't take but one bad egg to turn that love into complete and utter hate. To turn that joy into just, well, it's Christmas time. We're going to call it the Grinch. To turn the complete and total joy of, of not only Christmas time, but of everything into by humbug. It don't take much. Just a little bit. Just wandering away from God. Just a little bit. I, I'm going to read you, and I, I printed it out of, of one of my reference books that I had. It made an awful lot of sense. He said there's a couple of ways that you can look at discipleship and there's a column for a list of the wrong way to look at it and then a column for the way to, the right way to look at it. And I'm going to read a couple of them to you. It said uh, one way to view discipleship is something for monks, nuns, pastors, and deacons. Y'all think that's the right or the wrong way? Discipleship's for everybody. The right way to look at it is, is discipleship is becoming more like Christ is to be a Christ follower. The next one that is wrong is, is it something that I'm supposed to do for God? And this one is a little bit more prevalent than the first. Being a disciple is not something we do for God. If we ever get to the point that, that we think that God needs us to do something for Him, we need to we need to step back just a little bit because we've got a little big for our britches. God don't need us to do something for Him. God wants us to draw closer to Him so that He can use us for His honor and His glory, so that we can lay treasures up in heaven, so that we can be blessed. But let's not, please don't get the mistake in our mind that we're important enough that God needs us. We're not. The third one is that the goal of discipleship is doing the goal of discipleship is not to do. The goal of discipleship is to become. Jesus said, I will make you to become fishers of men. Do you think that, that Peter and James and John and the disciples, the apostles rather, ever became the perfect disciple? I don't think they ever got there. I don't think they ever slowed down either. The day that they stopped, then they would have become a failure. But the day that they kept going, the, the day that they hit a, a trial and and continued on the day that Peter went out and wept after he denied Christ. And, and then he, he come back in Acts just as strong as he ever was, maybe even stronger. Then he becomes a disciple. The fourth one, there's two more and we'll close. The fourth one is discipleship to something that is performed as a have-to. Discipleship should be practiced out of gladness. And joy, and it should be a get-to. We shouldn't have to be a witness for Christ. We shouldn't have to read our Bible. We should have the opportunity to and be thankful for it. We should have the opportunity to witness to someone and be thankful for it. We should have the opportunity to invite someone to church and be thankful for it. We should have the opportunity to pull out our Sunday school book and study it and read it. It's not a get. To, it's not a have-to, it's a get-to. And the last one, 
Discipleship is a sign of spiritual maturity. It's not. Discipleship is a means to spiritual maturity. Becoming and growing as a disciple, growing as a Christian, growing as a follower of Christ is what leads us to draw closer to Him. As a person grows, they get more mature physically, mentally, psychologically. As we grow as a Christian, we mature as a Christian. We draw closer to God. We see things differently. He speaks to us in different ways. We can understand more. We can grasp more. If you ever read the same scripture that you read a year ago and it missed something different? You ever read the same scripture you read two days ago and it meant something different? We can grow as a person, the same, excuse me, as a Christian, the same way that we grow as a person daily. Daily. You can't tell me that especially little babies that hadn't seen him in a little while that showed up and looked like he tripled in size, growing like a weed. And they're all like that. When they're young like that, from what they tell me, is they grow really, really fast. You can see a visual difference. Whenever you hadn't seen someone in a while, especially over the summer when I teach junior high kids and they're this tall and just cute and fat and then I, they come back the next year and over the summer they hit a 12-inch growth spurt and now they're big as me. You can see the physical growth. In the same way, we should have evidence in our life of a Christian growth, of growth as a disciple, of growth as a follower for Jesus. One more time, I'm going to read you the three uh, a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus to know Jesus, to grow more like Jesus, and to go for Jesus. And I hope that each and every one of us is already to the point that we can know Jesus and that we can continue to grow for Jesus and that we will accept the responsibility and the opportunity to go for Jesus, to crucify the flesh daily so that Christ might live through us. Oh, I have a verse of a